When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the latest episode of BCC The Other Side, Bryce shares a Wet Hot Aliens Summer 2 edition of Bryce's Secret Stash as we review videos of UFOs and the mysterious Fresno Nightcrawlers. To subscribe to The Other Side, go to patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Well, hello, everybody. Wet Hot Aliens Summer 2 Summer Abduction continues here on Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer, Riley Bray. I'm not even going to try to top that one, Bryce. That was good. Oh, oh, okay, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was, good. that was good. Too deep, too deep, deep, too deep, too deep for man. the beach. <laughs> too deep. Uh, so it's Wet Hot Alien Summer 2, Summer Abduction. All summer long, we're going to be doing... Sh- Stories of high strangeness of the UFO, UAP, and alien variety. Um, yes. Here on the main feed and over on the other side where you can uh, subscribe and get three to five bonus episodes every month by going to patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. And by doing so, you will not only be able to listen to the parallel dimension to the Bigfoot Collectors Club, you will be supporting the very show you are listening to right, right now. And remember, guys, we are trying to get to 1,000 patrons by the end of the summer so that Bryce will ride a jet ski naked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That That's doesn't, right. That's exactly that doesn't right. mean there reasonable. will be a jet yeah. ski special, because for that, we need... 1005 star reviews but there might just be uh we might just rent a jet ski for bryce to ride naked in a pond that we film yeah. and only put on the patreon <laughs> right with no special pond. yeah i'm gonna go I... balls out on a jet ski that's not gonna be the jet ski special no um, okay okay yeah okay. no it is well, it's depends. codependent it's a, it's a codependent yeah. sort of situation oh and, for the love of bigfoot as far as the Patreon goes, we are just under halfway there as of this okay. recording. So tell your friends. And uh, there are a couple other ways to support the show. Drop us a few bucks on buymeacoffee.com if you don't want extra content. Uh, the link to which you can find on our link tree under our bio on Instagram and Twitter. And finally, 
You can support I love the show. that. It's like, I'll tip you guys to shut up. That's what I'll do. Yeah, great. We'll, we'll take we'll, it. We're not, a, we're we'll, not above that. No. We will tuck Bryce's dick back into his swim oh trunks if you oh give us an like any way you want to go, guys. We will we will go right. Um, wow. uh, but you can, as I said, support the show for free by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a five star review. If we get one thousand five star reviews. By the end of the summer, we will record the full BCC Jet Ski special, where hopefully Bryce mm-hmm. will be riding a jet ski naked in a video over on the other side. Now, here's an example of a five-star review. I'm going to have Bryce read this one. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I'm, I'm co- going looking I for it. I texted it to you earlier today. Oh, now, you, get you, get into this you one. You texted Remember? it or emailed it? No, I, I okay. screen grabbed a five-star review. I okay, said, to read to tonight right on the show, right and you thumbsed right up it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. All it's right. Fine. Here we go. <clears throat> Love it. This is the only podcast I listen to that I keep up to date on. They do an amazing job presenting lots of information on all things paranormal in a fun, comedic, and easily digestible way. This podcast has kept me company on several car rides. Keep it up. Can't wait for the jet ski special. Uh, and that was submitted by Kira JK. Thank, Thank you, you, Kira. Kira. Fantastic, Thank you. Kira. Kira, wonderful listen, review. Wonderful review. Thanks for the jet ski shout out. And listen, Kira, and the rest of y'all, I'm going to remind you that dark forces are rising this summer to not only mm. spoil the jet ski special, but to mm. hurt our feelings as well. <laughs> we have to defeat this 4.8 average and the one star reviews that are coming in. Like this one. Are you guys ready for this? Yeah, I've been reading them. I kind of enjoy them. (laughs) (laughs) They're kind of fun. Sad podcast. One star. (laughs) By Boxers boxers 30. There is no no room on my podcast list for Uh, the vulgar language and far um, left-leaning political views. mm -hmm. Stick to the subject and stop the sophomoric attempt at humor, they vulgarity, comma, and that's where it ends. Guys, right. are you going to let enough. these trolls ruin Fair your wet, hot alien summer two summer abduction? Look, honest assessment. I mean, <laughs> sophomoric vulgarity. That's good. Hey, yeah. Guys, nice. are you going to you're going to let these these first order stormtroopers ruin our good time? Don't let these wet blankets like boxers thruity. <laughs> Boxers, I'm going to call them Boxers 2D, uh, ruin our good time. Get out there and give us a five-star review. I'm Man, sick of probably not shit. even hearing his own shout-out. I don't want to look at these <laughs> Apple Podcast reviews and feel bad about myself. Also, that was kind of a five-star review in its own right, yeah, to be know. honest. That, that kind of makes me feel good about myself a little yeah. bit, I got to say. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. All right, okay. Enough clubhouse business. Let's bring yeah. in our amazing guest. Uh, this week's this week's guest is in New York City. Talk about left leaning liberal. He's a New York City based <laughs> journalist, author, and researcher of the weird who currently appears on Travel Channel's Paranormal Caught on Camera and is host of Den of Geeks Paranormal Pop Culture Hour, of which the mm-hmm. BCC has been a guest. Club Scouts of all timelines. Please welcome. Aaron Sagers. Woo! Woo! 
Hey, hey, guys. I specifically showed up for the sophomoric vulgarity. I, <laughs> okay. So, okay. I am here for it. Good, good. You're in the right spot then. How are I mean, you, Aaron? Sir, how are you? I'm I'm great. I mean, I don't know whether I'm rooting for you uh, to to reach your uh, jet naked jet ski operation or not. I could I just might want to buy you a coffee instead. <laughs> That's fair. fair we'll take reasonable it. assessment. And yeah. look, I'm I mean, well, well, I don't want to say it out front, but I mean, who knows what's going to be obscured when that jet ski is going? It's either flapping in the wind or there are waves just blocking everything. And then we'll get a lot of complaints. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to pay. You got to pay to play. We'll have to see. Yeah. Pay to this find is, out. Yeah. You guys, you are on the the bleeding edge of content creation, and and it might it's actually be might actually involve bleeding edges uh, yes. with this jet ski stunt. Yeah, some wind chapped water splash uh. bleeding edges. Um, Aaron, you are involved with Bryce's favorite television show of all time. Yeah. Fucking love that show. I I feel I feel bad that he has to say that since he's also on a television show. <laughs> I, sure. I, I'm telling you, I love paranormal caught on camera. I just, I, I eat it up. I mean, that's, I mean, first of all, my go-to TV is always paranormal. I think we were talking about this before we got on air and that's, that's my numero uno. And then uh, followed by that, I like, I like a good true crime, but yeah, I love paranormal caught on camera. You guys do a fantastic job. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's a hell of a lot of fun to do. And what I really like about it is in addition to a bunch of white guys with beards, you don't see enough of that in the paranormal. Um, the What I really like about it is that we actually do have uh, some diversity out there. We have, uh, and we cover the globe with phenomena. Like we're yeah. talking about Great. stuff from across the entire freaking world. And I love that because I will say that it, we're, we're kind of unique in that way. There's, there's not one, any other show really doing that that is talking about not just ghosts or aliens or Bigfoot, you know, the, the Trinity of weird, mm -hmm. but also, you know, the Aswang in, in the Philippines or, um, you know, a Russian Domovoy yeah. or Russian floating know, girls, everything. Russian levitating girls. Bryce. Oh yeah. yeah. That was a weird one. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So <laughs> here's what I want to know, Aaron. Uh, now, are you, are you part of the committee that's like, ooh, let's put this on the show? Because I, I have to – I've watched the show. They're all amazing videos, but I get a little – even me with the Bigfoot podcast, I get a little skeptical, skeptical like where, the, where are they getting these from? Where are you guys getting these videos from? Well, I'll say first up, I would not say they are all great videos, uh, but there's, you know, there's a range in quality. And look, you know, I, th I think that we know that and sort of I, I am not part of the committee that selects the videos. We have a great team of researchers who are scouring the internets, mm -hmm, either mm -hmm. looking at news stories or um, looking at just like phenomena or videos that pop up across social media and they will go out there and they will collect those videos and then bring them to us. Now, nobody tells us what to say. Nobody says you have to say that this is legit and real. Obviously, look, the conceit is it's a paranormal show. It's on a network that, uh, and a, a streaming platform that leans heavily into the paranormal. So of course, 
They don't want us to be, you know, pooping all over everything that's out there. But what we do, and, and I like this, is that you can pose a lot of questions. You can pose a lot, like, it, and, and with me, it's like, well, if I was in this position and I saw something like this, or if this is real, or you're kind of like posing these hypotheticals, but it also allows us to get into the meat and potatoes of theory and folklore. And that way, yeah. we I think that we're kind of expanding the conversation a little bit. But look, I mean, there's some videos that, that I see that I'm like, okay, I don't buy into this. But I'm like, well, if I was if I was there and I saw this thing, you know, what would I think? What what would my reaction be? And it also kind of presents this interesting question of we say, well, maybe that's too good to be true. But isn't that exactly what we're looking for? Aren't we exactly looking for a great piece of footage of some phenomena that is very crisp and clear and we have a good, nice framing of it, and it lasts for an extended period. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. And yet, if right. we get that, we're going to be like, meh, I don't, it's, it's too good to be true. But then when it's grainy and cuts out and it's slightly out of frame, we're like, oh, well, if only it was clear. So it's right. in a way, can we <laughs> win double in this situation? Sword. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you, do you have a favorite video um, how many how many seasons are you guys into now? You're like on season four, I believe, or is that right? Yeah, that's uh, right. We're we're at the tail end of season four. We just filmed the season four finale uh, last week. Love it. And uh, yeah, so and and hopefully we'll we'll keep on trucking. I know that it's a it's well received on on the network. People seem to like it. Oh yeah. Uh, you guys will be like ridiculousness in America's funniest home videos. You got legs, man. You got, you got paranormal <laughs> legs under you. So that's what we need um, is America's funniest paranormal videos where there's just ghosts <laughs> there driving go. golf balls into the nuts of your grandfather. <laughs> you Why know don't what? I want to sign up for that show. Like ghosts slipping <laughs> on a slip and slide and falling on I their would tailbone. Watch that show. Yeah. Yeah. I just, Lots of Bigfoot slipping in on the ice. Or something. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we got some Loch Ness monsters dancing at a wedding, and then Grandma's bloomers fall off, and you know, no, 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 this show's yeah. already perfect. We don't need that. <laughs> so, what about a favorite video, Aaron? Is there one that you love the most that you really wasn't on your radar before having had done the show? Well, yeah. So occasionally we'll get some old oldies but goodies in the with those videos, and I'm sure you've seen them. I like those, but. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm here for the weird shit. Like the mm. weirder, the better really. Cause look, I like anything that is ghosty. Sure. I like any kind of cryptid videos, but when it gets to something that looks like a, a troll or that freaking yeah. Dobby looking thing, I'm like, when it you gets mean to that the, point the, like, the Dobby walking down the driveway, the driveway in yeah. the yeah. Uh, <laughs> ringer cam or the night. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. Yeah. It was so I like those weirder things because I actually think that that's that kind of reflects my personal, um, I guess, uh, evolution with the paranormal because I'm I'm kind of at that point where I am here for, as you guys say, the the high strangeness, the truly weird. I want I, I think that we're kind of all reaching this point, all of us that are that have been in the paranormal for a long time, where we're thinking. It's it's so much bigger and weirder than perhaps we initially 
Mm. thought of or theorized about it's like john keel level of weirdness aaron where do you fall in the category of the fresno night crawlers because we just reviewed those some of those videos last week on our patreon and bryce started it as a campfire story and then was like oh i don't know if i believe in this we've had l files uh stories about them have you watched any of those recently do you have an opinion on the fresno nightcrawlers and if not and need a refresher uh please allow us to 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 refresh your memory no i i do know those and there's part so there's something that i don't know if i can talk about yet in relation to this show yes you Um, can but Give us an exclusive. Uh, <laughs> Michael gives you permission. Just yeah. well, green light. Yeah. Well, Michael says it's cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, well, this is what I'll say is we've, I think we've seen them on paranormal caught on camera before. And, you know, it's a topic that I think people like to revisit. Um, mm. So who knows? Uh, but with that said, they fit within that, that realm of weirdness that, I quite like because I don't know I, I don't know what I think if this is some sort of interdimensional thing that's popping through and passing on like I, I don't think that they seem to based on what I understand they're not posing any threat to people they're just kind of showing up and doing their thing. Would yeah. you and, would you refresh our listeners' memories for those of our listeners that aren't uh, on the other side and may haven't heard of these guys in a while? What are the Fresno Nightcrawlers? Just to uh, freshen everybody up. Well, and and so you're putting me on the spot. So I'm I'm digging into my uh, mental research. But these are these kind of they don't really have much of a torso, but they That's look right. to be all legs. And they were caught on footage several years ago i I think there was the famous footage about several uh seven years ago eight years ago was the big footage we don't know off the top of our head either so don't worry well i just did this i'll I'll help you the first one was in fresno and i think you're right somewhere between eight to ten years ago and then there was another one that popped up in yosemite and those are the those are the two big ones yeah and they have these long bodies small heads and they're kind of like what I like about it is there's sort of a recent addition to the paranormal lexicon and they or so are they new to us? And this is this is where I, I love to like kind of puzzle it, puzzle it out. Are they new phenomena or have they been around for a very long time and have remained largely undetected? And mm-hmm. and there there are some and again, I want to tread carefully here, but I know that there was one that was captured or a uh, footage Wait. of one that was captured near, not, not captured. And I living, thought you meant in a but, net. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> they've not been netted no. yet, but these, these entities with long um, legs and a small kind of torso or small head, there was one that was captured on uh, camera and it was near to where an earthquake had recently happened Mm. oh and and the one that i'm thinking of it kind of sent me down this um this rabbit hole of thinking about like hollow earth concepts and yeah um and you know like shambhala the you know the the which the buddhists kind of talked about and even the ancient greeks had their own version 
of a hollow earth, uh, except, you know, we th- they thought of it more as the underworld. Um, and the Celts believed that within the earth, there were monsters that dwelled. And I, I'm someone that when I look at this, at legends across the globe, when you see certain repetition, certain themes, I'm like, well, okay, it's easy enough to dismiss it, but maybe, maybe there's something really freaking weird there that, that could have some sort of basis in reality. And maybe the night crawlers are part of that. Let me, let me, let me, I was kind of talking about this with, with my younger brother who's in town and, and, and we were kind of having a conversation about when you mention like a, like a hollow earth or something underneath the earth's crust, it, it almost makes me think, you know, us as individuals, we have our, our subconscious, our, and, and, and together as a collective society, we have what, what Carl Jung phrased as the collective unconscious. Right. And, and he sort of, you know, proposed this idea that perhaps it's our collective unconscious that's manifesting these strange, you know, circular lights in the sky, these UFOs, these, these saucers, and that they sort of represented a, the completed circle representing a completed version of our, of ourselves. We long to be whole. And, uh, and it was our collective unconscious that, that created these UFOs. And I've, I've often thought, you know, I believe plants are, are sentient, you know, and I believe, you know, maybe even the earth is sort of a, an organic, possibly conscious type system, you know, uh, you know, sort of the Gaia principle, if you will, I've heard people mm-hmm. coin it. And, and perhaps the earth has its own sort of subconscious, its under realm, its underbelly, it's, and, and perhaps that stuff can manifest itself in, in strange ways, uh, above the earth, like on, on the ground after earthquakes and near rivers and stuff. I don't know. What do you think about all that stuff? Well, I like, look, I, so my background is as a journalist and I still work as a journalist and I started very much with the, you know, the facts and data and everything. But as you continue on as a journalist and you get out there and you start interviewing people, your, your perceptions start to expand and and what you find allowable expands. It's no longer just data and facts and Mm. theories. And within that, I guess to expand, like, uh, you know, I, I began sort of within the paranormal thinking a lot about ghosts and ghosts are this and ghosts are that, uh, or Bigfoot is this aliens are that. And I would silo all these things. But as I've kind of moved through my, my own philosophies and, and read more Your evolution as you used uh, before. Evolution, and I love yeah. that word. Yes. And so to tie that to what you're saying, yeah, I, I like that. I am here for that because I do think that I'm very much about nature and nature spirits and elementals because forests are teeming with life. It's a giant organism. Mm-hmm. The earth is a giant organism. Uh, so it must have an accompanying energy to it. I think that that plays into it. I think the human quotient of the more we think about something, the more potential there is that we could manifest it. That, yes. that, as you know, that those circles in the sky there, they are, they could potentially be our own manifestations. And I even think that, look, if, if I hate to, I hate to bring up like slender man, but honestly, like even slender man, if, even if it was just created from, 
you know, whole cloth as a story, a creepypasta story, which it was. But if enough people start focusing their energies on like an entity, it essentially becomes like a digital tulpa. It's, yeah. it's, it's a thought form where we could be essentially bringing these things into existence. Do I know for certain? No, of course not. Do I think there's potential? Sure. And at this point, I'm kind of like not automatically dismissing anything because we don't know what the hell is going on entirely. We're just operating off of theories. Okay, I like this because we've dug into this on the show before, but I'm so I'm saying like, why is it limited to horror creepypasta? Why can't? If we all believe in Batman, Batman be real. Why can't Superman or Spider-Man be real? These are better mm. ideas, right? And I guess we do have <laughs> some like people who are dressing up in costumes and fighting as sort of like kick-ass level uh, vigilantes. But maybe this made me think that like, hey, maybe the Chicago Mothman isn't actually the Mothman of West Virginia come back. Maybe it's a tulpa of Batman. <laughs> jumping around the skyscrapers of Chicago because Gotham City, even though it's named after uh, New York, is is very much like Chicago in the Batman comic books. I'm just saying. Well, it, it, I, I mean, do we this. limit it? Do we limit it right. to the cryptids that we create? Why can't fucking you know uh, Wonder Woman be a tulpa and show up? You know, you know what I mean. If it is, it always got to be creepy then- shit. If it is Batman, then it's a Batman that that definitely goes down. That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, my <laughs> to theory- reference timely uh, the Twitter thing. <laughs> my theory on this, Michael, would be that that you can't fool belief, right? So it's like we we know Batman on a deep subconscious level is a made up character. It comes from comics. Now, when when we're seeing that Slenderman, there's a part of our psyche that that truly believes, right? That for some people, right? And that's total so magic. So Batman it, it had started be... as like a viral story. Yes. So yes, so and what people you're saying... weren't really sure where it right. came so, from, and so what and you're it saying, moved underground, Bryce, you yes, know? is that yeah. we need to create the superheroes as viral stories online, and then we will have superheroes. Yes, but that's exactly right. But there's the element of with something like. Okay, so I agree that weaving the story, being part of the fabric of the story and the storytelling matters. But I also think that when it comes to Slenderman or certain types of imagery, the reason Slenderman as a creation works so well is it taps into uh, a, a long-standing character clad in black that we've, we've had throughout, throughout millennia, whether mm-hmm. it is the, mm-hmm. uh, the men in black, whether it's the... Uh, Grim Reaper, whatever you know, Death riding in. in it's a, archetypal. You know, a yeah. yeah, it's arch. Yeah, it's yeah. So it's an archetype. Yeah. So it's within that there was already an element that was already that, that existed within that collective unconscious. You know, so right. Batman exists, but the but yeah, as Bryce said, it, it exists as a fictional pop pop culture yeah. creation we are aware of it yeah i don't know because i look i'm not punch punching holes in this theory i'm trying to support it i'm just trying to create batman right now so that's all i'm saying but like <laughs> batman is also called the dark knight and like this image of the black knight the dark knight the dark knight clad in armor or the the knight in shining armor which is superman maybe 
you know, or Captain America carrying the shield, which might be the shield of a knight in shining armor as well. Like, I'm just saying that like superheroes are possible and maybe like we need to start thinking more about the good guys in this culture instead of the bad guys. And maybe we'll Well, start seeing some more good guys showing up in cool ways instead of creepy shit. I was going to Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh, well, I was just going to say what the closest that I can think of that comes to this is sightings of Santa Claus. And there are a lot of documented, like people that have gone on record in even as adults, both as children and then some adults who claim that they have had Santa Claus sightings. And what's interesting, I know Lloyd Auerbach talked about it and there was another journalist that um, I, I forget his name, but he, he kind of went into this as well at one point. And this was like even a, a area of expertise for him collecting these sightings so I'm, I'm sorry that I don't remember his name right now. St- Stephen Wagner. Stephen Wagner was the guy. And now at first it's like, okay, cool. Maybe that'd be nice to see Santa, except there was this darker element to it as well. Some people saw a Santa that was very calming and it was a happy presence. Um, other people felt that it, it arrived with this malevolent. And mm. my thought goes to what if an entity whether it's an alien, whether it's something else, what if an entity is popping on through? Maybe it's it's paying a visit and you wake or whatever, and it's like, oh shit, they caught me. I need to present myself in a non-threatening, familiar form. Well, they go into the mind. They go into the mind of, of a child or of a person and, okay, go through the files. What's non-threatening? What's a a friendly... Uh, face figure for them to recognize oh this guy's santa well in our minds santa is so fully formed so fully developed we know where he lives we know about his wife we know who he hangs out with what his job <laughs> is and, you know we he's take our married kids to therefore totally trustworthy like, right mm-hmm. totally tr- so like okay pluck that out of out of the brain of this human and present yourself in that form yeah. hey i'm santa i'm your friendly uh santa claus you don't need to worry about me and instead, it's a total ruse. I mean, that's just creepy. <laughs> I love that. I know. Also, yeah. every every little kid knows Santa is scary as fuck. Otherwise, they wouldn't scream and cry and try to get off his lap uh, when they True. visit him in the department store. <laughs> but we we no, this fascinates me. And we did talk about this on episode fifty of the show with Betsy Sodaro when we covered Santa Claus and we did a few like we saw Santa Claus <laughs> stories, yeah. you know, um, it is wild. Well, I, I mean, uh, we're, we're skating right past your personal paranormal history, but I feel that this all ties into it about how you got into all this stuff as a journalist and where your interest in this subject began. And I, Bryce sounds like you wanted to ask a question before we get into that, but I, I feel like we're all, we're already there. Yeah. Well, you know, I was just going to add that, you know, who's to say with all this, you know, superhero stuff that's, that's, uber popular right now that it's not creating some sort of foundational structure for a belief that might come down the road so so that in let's say 20 30 years from now people might start developing what we 
know as sort of these superpowers. You know what I mean? Uh, well, Graham Morrison is how they might Gra- show up. Yeah, you know? Graham Morrison has said is that they're crawling their way out of the two dimensional realm from the comic right. book page into the three dimensional realm yeah. through the movie screens, and that soon we will have superpowers. So they, they it might be happening in a more well, uh, gradual way. But Aaron. Any comments on that? And if not, uh, where did you get into all this stuff? Uh, well, my comments on it is it, it's, it, it scares me to death because, look, I'm a comic book nerd. And uh, on one hand, sure, it seems like it would be cool to have uh, uh, Spider-Man or Captain America, which, you know, obviously it's debatable how superpowered Captain America is. But, um, but that would be great. But we're just as likely to get, I don't know, um, the boys, you know, yeah. or uh, Invincible or I'm trying to, you know, the, the authority, the, very, uh, the authority. Yeah. Like, well, and so, also Batman on the surface and Superman and Spider-Man, for that matter, on the surface are all inherently creepy, you know, like they are all creepy, you know, a guy's based off a spider totem. Uh, Batman is sort of a nihilist and will won't kill you, but will break every bone in your body and goes around saying, I am the knight. You know what I mean? That's scary. Superman is an alien from another planet. Um, and Captain America could easily be a fascist. We don't know. Although he's yeah. in the comics, he's obviously not. But all these concepts are super inherently creepy on the surface. Yeah. Or the Spider-Man will get will just shoot webs out of his ass that'd be right cool. <laughs> that'd be I, I would i would i don't want to be saved by well like... he'll have he'll have a great <laughs> only fans i will say that <laughs> aaron how did you first get into all this stuff the the strange the paranormal what is your personal paranormal history well i guess the backstory is the i mean kind of the comic book uh uh talk feeds into it because when I was a kid, like it wasn't like I was a comic book nerd or a paranormal nerd. I was an everything nerd. I was I was reading my science fiction and horror and watching the Twilight Zone, but at the same time reading scary stories, reading the time life uh, mysteries of the unexplained, yeah, and uh, watching In Search of while also watching uh, Star Trek. So everything tied in together for me, and. So that that's kind of what steeped the early thing. And and like any good nerd and then later journalist, it was about cataloging all of these details and stories. And it, it just kind of like I created a, a library, a I guess a mind palace of all of these tales and phenomena and just kept adding to it and adding to it. Mm. Some weird things did happen as a kid in my house, but honestly, I didn't talk about that for a long time. I certainly didn't talk about it professionally. It was not really part of my origin story publicly. I kind of skipped forward to always being interested in these things, being a journalist and right around 2004, I was a young editor at a newspaper. And when this new crop of reality shows came about, I was like, well, I know about these these paranormal reality shows. I knew about these phenomena. I was into it. And I looked at shows like Ghost Hunters, and I saw that essentially they were tapping into something that made Ghostbusters so popular insofar as there's a team ethic. They're using gadgets. Hell, they have 
uh, costumes. They're they're right. ready to believe you. Um, you know, and like they they kind of pulled from that that blue collar ethic almost and brought it to reality. And from there, I wrote about it, and I I got a little bit of attention for that. I went on. A, an exploration of a haunted location, Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. And I had kind of my first big boy experience, which was I'm walking along alone in, in this amazing, hauntingly gorgeous structure. And I pass by this cell block and I look in and I see what we would call a shadow figure pacing back and forth. Man, There was a, there was a barrier. So I couldn't, entirely step into the cell but i'm looking at this thing and even though it was such a new phenomena for me there was something so deeply familiar and almost recognizable about it like you like if you saw uh if you saw batman out in the wild you would automatically know it's batman probably not in the wild but in gotham chicago um (laughs) so i see this figure pacing back and forth and i'm compelled to like communicate so like a crazy person i look around make certain you know that no one's watching me make certain that like okay maybe i'm just talking to myself here but okay hey uh if there's something in there come closer pacing back and forth pacing back and forth and this this figure this you know inky shadowy figure just stops and then it rushes me (laughs) and my my entire field of vision went black and I, I leap back and I let out a, a, a string of uh, selected profanities. And when I kind of like could refocus, this thing was back to pacing back and forth in the back of this cell. And it was like a paradigm shift because suddenly I'm like, okay, this is now going to be woven into my profession somehow. And it's not like I walked away from there saying I automatically believe all this stuff because I didn't. I, I exist somewhere in the middle of the spectrum between diehard believer and cynic. I'm neither one of those things. I'm mm. skeptical. I'm constantly questioning. And even that experience, something like 15 years later, I'm constantly thinking, what did I miss? What did I not account for? It's still a riddle I like to play over in my head. But I do believe there's something going on out there. I just don't always know entirely what it is, but that, that kind of shifted things. And then that launched me on a, a, a path where I started talking about what I call paranormal pop culture and how entertainment influences belief, belief influences entertainment and looking how throughout history, we see certain trends within pop culture that are aligning with where we are spiritually belief wise all of that. So that's a long winded response, but that's kind of, that was an experience that altered me. That's incredible. It's hard not to think of those as you were saying it and mentioning Ghostbusters before. Uh, so where are you from originally? And then <laughs> after you got, after you got uh, whacked, that's the one that got me right there yeah. in the cell pacing back and forth. That's did incredible, you, man. Did you have any residual like experience after that? Did or... you get slimed? Is what Michael? Yeah. Asked did you go home and have <laughs> weird dreams, or were you like, you know, did an alien symbiote like suddenly possess you, and now you're 
Venom, like, did you did you carry any of that with you, or did it seem to go away then and there after it after that experience? No, it, rather as I've kind of gone on and talked to a lot of people and talked to people that I trust in in this world, this field or community, I've I've kind of uncovered more things from my past that kind of align with things. I, mm. I, I don't like to say that I grew up in a haunted house and I'm certainly not someone, I'm not a psychic. I'm not a sensitive, I'm not a medium. Um, but I will say that I've had weird stuff happen that I can't always explain. Right. And the way I kind of, I kind of go with it is you, you sort of tune in, you have intuition. I think, I think even, the job that I have, uh, the, the, the journalist basis, journalistic basis, it involves curiosity, involves talking to people, it involves getting a story out of people and learning about them. That, that all plays into it because I have a pretty good read on people. I have a pretty good intuition about situations. Um, but that didn't answer your question. Like Michael, no, I, I didn't come home and like, I wasn't like suddenly I didn't come online. I didn't, I didn't have the the paranormal equivalent of a radioactive spider bite. I was uh, like, I went back to life. But what I did find is that if you go to enough of these locations, you do sometimes tune the dial in, you tune into the radio station a little bit more for at least a little bit of time. So then you pick up on more things that are happening around you. And I don't know if it's like, you're just in the mindset of looking for that thing or, or questioning about that thing and you start noticing it a little bit more at home it's not all the time it's just like you know maybe there's a beat when you come home and something weird happens does that Mm, i don't know does that make sense it does no thank you yeah (laughs) it's almost like i think what you're saying makes sense if you're gonna go into one of these places like you know that that penitentiary i think you said it exactly right unknowingly your body has turned on a sensor that it doesn't use in everyday life. You know, it doesn't do it consciously. It just, it's like, as soon as you step in there, you know, it activates your, this unknown sensor is looking for something. It's like a radar and and you're exactly right. And it's going to pick up on things. And, and, and when, you know, and it I probably after an experience like that, it, it, it's running pretty hot. It's running pretty high. And when you get home, yeah, you're probably tuned into that shit. This stuff is probably happening all around us all the time. We just don't have the eyes and ears to see and hear it, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I think it's total. And I agree. I, I agree with that. But I also think, like, for me, I don't want it to happen all the time. I'm not someone that wants to. I'm with you. You know, have that switch flipped on all the time. Like, no. I got li- to live my life. Hell, like, during, you know, in New York City, during lockdown, in a you know, when you're in an apartment and you can't go engage with the city hell no i did not i would not have wanted to be tuned in during that time like (laughs) i was i was actively saying no thank you like do not want this but uh, yeah i I think you do have to and and shit like people are constantly like oh only haunt only old houses are haunted or there was a tragedy here so this is haunted but this house is brand new nothing happened here and like well, that's probably still haunted if you're want to really want to poke around enough because people have died everywhere and who knows what the laws of physics or of the paranormal whatever they may be some people you know 
I don't think location and history necessarily means the no. end all be all as far as that goes. Well, and going yeah. back to like somebody like John Keel, I bet his radar was just tuned and turned on all the time. So much crazy stuff happened to and around him. It's, uh, you know, it's incredible to think about. What is it about the house you grew up in, Aaron, that you're like, well, I'm not saying it was haunted, but there there was something going on there. So it's really, it's, it's part of research that I'm doing now. So I'm uncovering a lot of things now. I'm the youngest of five kids. I was raised Catholic. I'm not really Catholic now. I, I kind of, I'm not observant. I say I'm culturally Catholic mm-hmm. um, insofar as, you know, hey, I like I like Easter dinners and right. Christmas and that kind of thing. But um, the my brother, when he was younger, getting the story out of him is a little bit difficult. But he he actively said that he tried to bring something in. He was an angry teenager. Mm. We found some of this out later. In fact, some of this I only found out about last year. Um, and everyone in my family was experiencing things, but not talking about it. And Mm. some of these things are only coming to light. Like I said, started about a year ago, but only coming to light pretty recently. And I had an experience as a little kid where I saw something in my bedroom and I didn't know what it was. I couldn't process what it was. You know, I was a little, little kid about like six years old but I do have that image burned in my brain. Memory is unreliable, right? Like we, we create stories and then we reinforce them and keep adding layers to them. However, the fact that everyone in my family having different things happening and not talking about it until years later, it is kind of putting me on this new path. Cause my, my, my journal journey, if you will, in the paranormal has never really been about me. It's been about talking to other people. And now I'm kind of shifting gears where I'm like, uh, okay, I guess I got to look into my own story. This is kind of weird. Can you describe to the best of your ability, if you're willing, what, what it was you saw, if you drew a picture of it, is it, you know, what would it look like? Yeah, it was. And again, six year old mind. However, Mm -hmm. it was a very tall figure. It was also, it was shadowy, but not the same as that figure that I saw later at Eastern State Penitentiary. Very tall. Um, the thing that sticks out a lot is the the face. It was somehow both indescribable or, or, or somewhat indefinable and yet very clear. And that doesn't quite make sense, but it almost looks like a, a Halloween mask, like a classic, like, monster halloween mask um and and something that certainly we didn't have in the house but just like stood there in uh, i was on the the bottom bunk that i shared with one of my brothers um well i didn't share the bottom bunk we shared a bunk bed right and looking across and sort of seeing part of this thing cut off by the top part of the bunk and poking my head through enough to see how tall it was like that it reached the uh the top of the door frame but this the the face is really kind of what's burned into me and and i don't know what it was michael and i'm not saying sure it was xyz no. because i yeah. don't go to the whole demon thing right I'll, you know i i think 
that's way too easy of a scapegoat. But it was something oh, really freaking weird. But when you say Halloween, like, are, you, are we talking Bella Lugosi, deep set eyes, oh. ghoulish face? Or are we talking a pumpkin head or skeleton head? <laughs> well, do you remember the Mad Balls from the eighties? Yes, so, yes, <laughs> of course I fucking do. It wasn't do. that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it wasn't that. I think I about Mad Balls at least knowledge. twice a week, Aaron. I got yes. one in my hand right now. I literally just grabbed my Mad Ball. My kid has one. I love those things. Oh, have they come back? Yeah, they're back. Wow. All right. Mad Balls are again. back. Um, Great. This one I'm looking at is like like yellow skullish. His brains are sort of coming out. He's got fiery red eyes and 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 his teeth are protruding and uh, he just looks sort of like ghoulish. Yeah, I always like think of the ball. Mummy Mad Ball. The mummy mad ball is the first one I think of. But go That's go on, Aaron. We can talk about mad yeah, ball no, if well, we want, but I, I mean we we could, and I would certainly go down this this path with you. But uh no, it was it was sort of like a, a classic devil mask, and yet not like hooked mm. nose. It seemed like a reddish face. Price. Um, That's it, I mean, the, dude. It it was uh, there there was like sort of hair on its head. Um <sighs> And yet it wasn't like a, the contours of the face were so like deeply set lines. And again, the the thing is, is that there's both definition to it and not almost like it's, it's a paradox, almost like phasing a little bit. Like it's, you know, not entirely crisp and clear. And yet you get a sense of it burned into you. Wow. Bryce, Probably, this sounds like the yeah, red devil you yeah. saw on your window that we discussed in the very first episode. I mean, of this I mean, it's hitting a few parallels. There, I mean, the, the, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about when I was six. I had a similar situation. It was something sort of came across. It woke. I woke up instantaneously from my my lower bunk bed at around oh. in the middle of the night, and uh, I see some sort of reddish glowing. What I can only describe as like the classic devil mask come to my window and then turn as slowly turn its head and peer into my soul with its like burning yellow eyes. And I described it as what was that that tuna that canned ham? The Underwood uh, canned oh, ham. The under devil. One, yeah, the mm-hmm. Underwood canned ham devil. And uh Which yeah, is very creepy. F- so fucking creepy. That Man, we made a T-shirt that, about this. That's, we made a T-shirt. How... <laughs> Go check it out on the on the on the merch. Get get your high strangeness Bryce's Devil T-shirt. But isn't that so crazy? I mean, all of us here have had experiences when we were younger, and 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 here we are pursuing this. It's 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 insane to think about. It's like it grabs a hold of you and it takes you on this path. Um, and you know, for better or for worse, here here we are. You know. Well, and again, like, so it's weird and, and, you know, it kind of goes back to the question of like, is it, are, are we actually seeing these things? Is are you, are we potentially seeing something else that's plucking an image out of our, yes. our unconscious minds and presenting itself in that way? But again, like I didn't include this as part of the origin story. You know, I, I didn't include this in sort of my backstory. The first time I spoke about this publicly, I think was only about two weeks ago I was doing my first event back in the world. It was a paranormal event. And, you know, I was going, doing um, a talk about, it was a little bit about paranormal caught on camera, but also about how our, our ideas of ghosts have evolved throughout um, 
throughout Century and through, throughout uh, storytelling and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was a woman in the audience who just asked me this question. And for whatever reason, I was like, okay, I'll start talking about this because, you know, this is sort of something that I'm researching currently down to, to trying to get into the um, research, the background of the house because it's still there. Um, we, we no longer uh, have anything to do with it. But um, yeah, so this wasn't part of my background. This wasn't part of the thing that I would talk about as far as why I would get into the paranormal. Right. And yet, I guess maybe it was. Incredible. Is your brother pretty open about talking to you guys and your family about what he was experiencing and and what and how and how he brought in whatever he brought in? So the 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 unfortunate fact is that um, I'm fortunate. I'm lucky that all my family is still with me. However, I will say that um, that brother he was really angry as a child and. He kind of got caught up with substance abuse at that time. Mm. And and that, unfortunately, is a struggle that many years later he continues to have. Oh, so man. when you talk to him about these things, uh, he will deny, deny, deny. Sometimes he'll open up a little bit. And he did say, again, that was about a year ago, I, I just happened to catch him at a time where he started talking about him actively trying to bring something in. He said it, there was almost like this electric blue light or whatever that was occurring in his room right around the time that this happened. Um, and he did tell me at one point, and this is the part that freaks me out. The part that I'm struggling with is that he says it's still around him and he almost likes having it around him. But uh, I think, mm there's a whole other discussion about people, um, you know, either addictions, mental health, um, and phenomena, whether, whether they're vulnerable to it, whether it manipulates people. I'm not saying that's the root cause of these Mm -hmm. issues, but it does seem to be a lot of parallels, um, with, with these things. And where, where the literal and the metaphorical demon begins and ends. And if, and if we're going to go as far as saying like, Hey, you know, maybe collectively we can create these tulpas, then I think it's possible. um, If not likely that some of our own personal demons can manifest themselves in a physical way or a literal way that we're dealing with potentiality. Yeah, Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, a real thing. I hope your brother uh, works it out. I hope you get to the bottom of what's going on uh, there. It's fascinating. I mean, you know, we'll be very interested to hear what you learn. Um, but we 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 have to move on to <laughs> segue to a game. <laughs> How Let's do I segue to a game? Let's play a game. Smooth segue. Nice. But that's, it, no, but that's other news. <laughs> no, but this is like really fascinating. Um uh I yeah, it's it's tough. And and I I think like it sounds here's what I'd say. It sounds like you're doing really thoughtful and sensitive work into figuring all of this stuff out, you know, when it comes to your past and and what's going on currently with all of this phenomenon. Um, so we can't wait to, to learn more. Yeah, I appreciate um, Yeah. Honestly, yeah. like I, like I said, I don't really normally talk about it, but I also am at that point. I don't know. Maybe it's just getting older where you're like, well, 
you know, talking is a good thing, right? So yeah, maybe uh, opening up about it a little bit more is actually a healthy thing. So a hundred percent. This is what, uh, honestly, you know, as much as we embrace sophomoric humor on the show, like, you know, we've always said one of the goals here is to get rid of the stigma of talking about, uh, uh, experiences with this phenomena and then all, with the phenomena or phenomenon. And then also, you know, when it comes to mental health shit being like, let's talk about it. Like, fuck it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And you know, cause it, it often seems so intermingled. Um, so yeah, we keep us posted on, on what you're learning. Um, all right, let's, let's get into, uh, Aaron, if you've listened to the show, you know that we uh, play a, a game with our guests. I'm going to go down a list of phenomena. Uh, rapid fire style. If you're open to it, you're going to say believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. If you're somewhere in between, you got to say one or the other. And we can always circle back on something that you want to revisit. This oh, is the yes, game. I, I know you do this game. Oh, you kill yeah. me on this game. All right. It'll be fun. Just please God tell me you know what a skunk ape is. Uh, (laughs) Bryce. I I grew up I grew up in Florida. Skunk ape is like our national animal. You're ready for this game. So am I. (laughs) All right. That's because Bryce uh, has been put on temporary leave uh, as a skunk ape salesman uh, after last week's episode. Okay, this is a game that we love to call bullshit or believe it. All right. Aaron Sagers, on your mark, get set, ghosts. Uh, believe it? UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. ESP. Mm, believe it-ish. Shadow people. Believe it. Unicorns. Bullshit. Alien abductions. Believe it. Yeti. Believe it. Mothman. Believe it. Out of body experiences. Believe it. Tarot cards. I believe tarot cards exist, yes. Demonically believe possessed <laughs> demonically possessed dolls. Uh, uh, believe it sometimes. The healing power of crystals. Uh, 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 but, um, believe bullshit. An alien spacecraft crashed at Roswell. Oh, believe it. Loch Ness Monster. Believe it once existed. Ad- Atlantis. Hmm. Hmm. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, bullshit. Haunted houses. Believe it. Skunk ape. <laughs> uh, believe it. The Jersey Devil. Hmm. Believe it. The biblical devil. Bullshit. (laughs) 
caught Riley chucking out, chuckling yeah, on that like one. Speaking, a little, a little fun on that one. <laughs> I yeah. get a little, Hooray. I get, I'm giving a little more flair every time. <laughs> Traditional Satan. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Satan. Speaking. <laughs> the Lord of Darkness. Uh, speaking to the dead. Speaking to the dead is the next one. Uh, believe it. Mermaids. I'm going with believe it. Believe it. The government is hiding the truth about Sasquatch. Uh, bullshit. Past lives. Believe it. Life on other planets. Believe it. Life after death. Believe a version of it. Mad balls. Oh, believe it. Yeah. So All right. Well done. Well wow. Done, there's a couple like really you did. You did great. As someone who was like, awesome. you know, I don't know about this. Um, I don't know about all of it. It's there's, there's so many sure. asterisks of that are not. added mentally to everything there. Well, yeah. we have you on mermaids. record now. You said, <laughs> believe it. Bryce is a believer in mermaids. You're a believer sure. in mermaids. We got to What about mermaids? Are you open to? Well, I don't know. I mean, this is not a shameless uh, promotion for the show, but there was the mermaid clip on Paranormal Caught on Camera, and it was probably just a woman in the water wearing a fin, but it looked like, I mean, the quote from the, the woman that saw it was like, it's a motherfucking mermaid. I heard the stories, but I didn't believe it was true. And... I first off, I said, "How do we not have it's a motherfucking mermaid, motherfucker on t-shirts?" Sorry yeah, yeah. for if that's hopefully not putting you in the explicit podcast Guys, category. Guys, we just got another We're one star there. review. Right, right. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was told to prepare sophomoric vulgarity great, um, great. in the yes. interview prep. Yeah, so um, but that I, I don't know. I, I think that. Why not? I mean, every culture seems to have a story about these human-animal hybrids, and mermaids are one that come up a lot. So I don't think it's all just uh, manatee out there. Yeah. And what about this uh, unicorn video that Bryce has shown us? It's supposed to be a video of a unicorn in Scotland. Love that unicorn. Oh, right. Yeah, I saw that. CGI or unicorn? You said bullshit to unicorns. I did say bullshit to unicorns. Um, And I feel like I'm just coming down hard on unicorns when, I don't know, they might be out there or might have been out there at one point. But I think that video is bullshit. Great. Me too. Riley as well. Sorry, Bryce. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness with Aaron Sagers. Sorry, Bryce. (laughs) Tear rolling down my eye. I know. So (laughs) quiet. I feel like Bryce, you and I were on we were, we were on our way to becoming besties, and then I just I, I ruined it. I ruined it. You're fine. You guys are fine. You guys are going to get along great. We'll be after all right. This. We'll be right back. Hey everybody! It's time for this week's story of high strangeness. It's wet, hot, alien summer two summer abduction. Yes, Bryce. It is. It's your turn. What did you bring in for Aaron this week? Well, 
He probably already knows about this next whatever it is I'm about to speak about. But if you've ever listened (laughs) to our show before, then you know we always close with, Michael? Uh, Good night and go get regressed. Uh, Nice. That's exactly right. A regression. Yes. But what you may not know is how the idea of hypnotic regression became so popular amongst abductees. Well, tonight, we're going to change that because I'm going to profile a legend in the game, a man by the name of Bud Hopkins, famously known for his interest in UFOs, aliens, the abduction phenomenon, and the often talked about idea of missing time. Oh, and he was a, a pretty relevant artist as well. Considered the father of the abduction movement. Michael, did you think this was just going to be about hypnotic regression? Honestly, I thought it would be about an alien or UFO. But if you want to do a biography tonight, that's great. (laughs) Because there's nothing we'd love to hear more about during a wet, hot alien summer than a middle-aged man who coaxes women into telling him their secrets. (laughs) Listen, this is integral to wet, hot alien summer. Summer abduction. Absolutely. Bud Hopkins comes up all the time. He is a big player. We need to know who he is. Yes, this is true. The guys, you thought you were going to come for a sexy story. It might get sexy, but we're here for a history lesson. It's great. I love it. Go on. Oh, my God. How dare you? Considered the father of the abduction movement, Elliot Bud Hopkins was born in 1931 and raised in Wheeling, West Virginia. At two years old, Hopkins contracted polio, and it was during his long recovery process that he developed an interest in drawing and watercolors, an interest that eventually led him to graduating with a bachelor's degree in art history from Oberlin College in 1953. After Oberlin, Hopkins moved on to New York City, where his experimentation with collage technique and style as an abstract expressionist won him national acclaim. But we're not here to talk about Bud Hopkins, the incredible and talented painter and sculptor. No, no, no. We're here to talk about his interest in the UFO topic, an interest that really started when he was a child. You see, Hopkins experienced firsthand Orson Welles' 1938 radio play, The War of the Worlds, which both terrified and fascinated him, so much so that he felt the radio production had left psychic scars on him and his family. But it was really in August of 64 when Hopkins and two of his buddies reported experiencing a daytime sighting of an unidentified flying object that his interest blossomed into a full-blown fascination. All three of them saw a dark, silver, sexy, elliptical object making strange maneuvers off of Cape Cod in Truro, Massachusetts. He then reported it to the nearby Otis Air National Guard base, but when they didn't take his sighting seriously, he was annoyed to say the least and even suspected a possible government cover-up. It was then that Hopkins began reading everything he could on the UFO topic and started collecting stories of people who claimed to have experienced contact with alien beings. He even joined the now-defunct UFO research group NICAP, Uh, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. In 75, Hopkins was approached by a fellow named George Obarski, who purportedly witnessed alien figures stepping out of a spacecraft and taking soil samples at North Hudson Park in North Bergen, New Jersey. Hopkins, along with the director of New York State's Mutual UFO Network, investigated the incident, interviewing the witnesses and taking soil samples of their very own. Hopkins then wrote about the Obarski case, and the article appeared in The Village Voice in 1976. 
after which he began receiving regular letters from other UFO witnesses, including a few cases where he began to notice similar behavioral patterns of what would become known as missing time. These seemingly inexplicable gaps in abductees' memories, a theme Bud would write about extensively in his book, well, Missing Time. He also began to identify core emotional responses based on their experiences, fear, awe, or wonderment at alien technological abilities, affection toward their captors, anger, and helplessness. He believed aliens were either incapable of understanding the psychological effects of their encounters with humans, or that they were a callous, indifferent, amoral race bent solely upon gratifying their own scientific needs at whatever cost to us. Hopkins encouraged self-proclaimed abductees to discuss their experiences by holding a free monthly group therapy session, almost kind of like what we do. Attendees represented people from all walks of life who he described as veterans of trauma. They were, in his view, victims who experienced often intrusive and painful physical examinations by their alien abductors, whose memories, according to Hopkins, rarely emerged unaided and whose stories were best told through hypnosis. Although Hopkins had no formal psychological training, he watched other professionals over an eight-year period and developed his own special brand of hypnotic regression techniques. In short, hypnotic regression is the process by which you enter a trance and recall material from deep inside that's normally not available to the conscious mind. He believed aliens were blocking or submerging memories in the people they abducted. Despite critics' warnings that practices such as the ones in which Hopkins engaged may cause serious psychological damage to the alleged abductees, Hopkins insisted that regressive hypnosis could unlock those experiences of his clients. By 1995, Hopkins had worked with hundreds of abductees. It was during these hypnosis sessions that Hopkins' belief in UFO abduction deepened. To him, the incredible similarities amongst abductees lent credibility to their stories. And there was also the physical proof, which came in the form of scoop marks or indentations in the skin, scars or cuts on the mouth, nose, ears, or genitals, or unexplained bruises that might clear up in a day. And abductees' claims of implants, interpreted as control or monitoring devices similar to those used by human scientists to track and tag animals in the wild. He also followed up on a lot of the accounts and found that whatever type of spacecraft was taking these individuals, they often left marks on the ground where they landed. And on rare occasions, his clients would show him photographs of the supposed aliens. He also noticed that his claimed abductees often observed unconventional objects in the sky, as well as a sense of being watched or observed and the ever creepy presence of hooded beings near the foot of their bed at night causing a sense of paralysis or immobilization often followed by impressions of flying or passing through closed windows or doors and walls and a feeling of having been outside upon awakening, most especially a sense of missing or lost time. Hopkins always had a sense that what he was doing was important. He insisted, despite questions from other researchers and skeptics, that his findings were solidly based in evidence that cumulatively was overwhelming. Despite Hopkins' oft-repeated assertion of powerful evidence for alien abduction, critics plagued his career with calls for tangible proof, which were rarely, if ever, forthcoming. D. 
DNA from hybrid babies, proof of implants that were alluded to but never recovered, and even the photographs and videotapes of spacecrafts and or aliens were, um, well, unconvincing to those not willing to see. Critics included his former wife, Carol Rainey, who expressed concern that UFO researchers were not held to scholastic, scientific, or ethical standards. They divorced shortly after. Others questioned the likelihood that alien abductors could actually float people through solid walls, and if they could, how these people could escape detection, particularly in urban settings where there would potentially be millions of people around to witness the event. Hopkins responded by suggesting that aliens could make themselves and their abductees invisible. The lack of physical evidence and implausibility of the alien abduction scenarios led some critics, including Carl Sagan, to question whether these memories are the product of an internal rather than external experience and cautioned that media coverage might inadvertently be influencing alleged victim stories. And I suppose it's Hard to argue with that logic. The much-covered Betty and Barney Hill case exposed millions to the idea of alien abduction. And Whitley Strieber's seminal book, Communion, in 1987, introduced us to the classic gray aliens that we so often think of today. It topped the New York Times bestseller list, as did Hopkins' own book, Intruders, The Incredible Visitation at Copley Woods, which prompted stories of strange alien abductions. Abductees were literally coming out of the woodwork. Even Hopkins admitted that media attention had a way of contaminating the pool of subjects, but he felt he was able to cull the delusional stories from those he believed to be real. You see, for him, the repetition of certain experiences by abductees lent credibility to their stories. For Hopkins, these accounts were not fantasy, but a very real phenomenon that people were experiencing. But Hopkins even introduced legendary Harvard psychiatrist Dr. John E. Mack to the subject and convinced him he ought to look into the strange abduction phenomenon, which Mack did, sending him on a rabbit hole journey that would permanently alter the course of his life and career, stating in regards to people's abduction experiences, quote, I take them seriously. I don't have a way to account for them. I would never say, yes, there are aliens taking people, but I would say there is a compelling powerful phenomenon here that I can't account for in any way. It's mysterious, yet I can't know what it is, but it seems to me that it invites a deeper, further inquiry, end quote. Hopkins may have certainly quieted some of his critics when he began to investigate and research an abduction case that was alleged to have occurred in late 1989 near the Brooklyn Bridge in New York City with dozens of witnesses, including two police officers and a prominent member of the United Nations who all observed the abduction taking place. He talked about it in his book, Witnessed, the True Story of the Brooklyn Bridge UFO Abductions. Bud's fascination with the subject of UFOs, aliens, and abductions couldn't help but to influence his later artistic years. Hopkins turned to large quasi-architectural sculptures that seemed to spring from primordial myths. In 1985, reviewing one such piece, The Temple of Apollo with Guardian 45, it was part house of worship, part archaeological ruin, part sacrificial altar, Michael Brenson wrote in the New York Times. Quote, if the work is about sacrifice and violence, it is also about ecstasy and illumination. In the course of trying to reestablish the broadest meaning of the abstract geometry that has fascinated so many 20th century artists, Hopkins makes us consider that ritual, worship, cruelty, and superstition have always been inseparable. 
On August 21st, 2011, Hopkins died from complications of cancer. And at the time of his death, he was in a relationship with renowned journalist Leslie Keene, one of the three prominent journalists to break the now-hot UFO subject wide open in a December 2017 article entitled Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. And here we are today. To learn more about Harvard psychiatrist Dr. John E. Mack and his research into the abduction phenomenon, you can go back and check out episode 16 of the Bigfoot Collectors Club with special guest Maria Thayer. And if you're interested in Bud Hopkins' seminal research into the abduction of Linda Napolitano, which took place in front of multiple witnesses in New York City, and I know you are, check out BCC 111, the Brooklyn Bridge abduction with Henry Zabrowski. And that's it. That's Yeah, and I would add to that, check out BCC episode 32 with Bree Blair, where we talk about the Copley Woods abduction. Copley Woods abduction, yes. Debbie Jordan Cowbell. Yeah. Um, but Hopkins, like, you know, you got to give it up to this guy, Bryce. Like, he listened. He's one yeah. of the guys who listened, right? Yeah. I didn't I didn't know that he, I guess I wasn't aware, or maybe I forgot that he was directly a hypnotherapist. Like, he oh, yeah. did the hypno-regressions himself, not only being a journalist, getting into the stuff like Aaron is, but he actually conducted some of these sessions. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, he really set the groundwork for what we consider when somebody has, you know, a paranormal uh, trauma to to go and get regressed. He really laid that framework. And and even Johnny Mack, who was a Harvard psychiatrist, picked up on some of that brain work and they would share notes back and forth. So, um, you know, he, he was very knowledgeable and very apt at what he was doing in those uh a, 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 a re, you know regression sessions it came with a lot of critique and it still does but but i think there's some there's some pretty poignant stuff to be found in there aaron what do you think as a journalist uh would you uh you gonna get into some of this hypno regress regressive therapy why not try it out <laughs> it's not really my particular style of uh conducting research or interviews i i mean i think Hopkins is a compelling character because I think there's a lot of like, I, I, I believe he believed what he was doing. Um, I believe he believed he was helping people and maybe he was helping some people, but I also see merit in the criticisms that he was also sort of leading the witness mm. or, or, or giving uh, validity to experiences that, may have been sleep paralysis or may have been otherwise explainable, but I agree. Or representative of, of other trauma that, you know what I mean? That might be masking other trauma, which I sometimes. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I think that he was an interesting cat. Like he, he opened up this, this world of study quite a bit and most certainly contributed to the community, but, I wouldn't say that everything that he did was spot on. I think there was a lot of flaws in his perception. You know what I love I, about this story is, is, is uh, well, one that it's mine, but uh, no, the, uh, you know, <laughs> and you, you know did what's a so great funny, job, Bryce. you know, what, thank <laughs> really you. Thank good. you. You know, really what's so good. funny about this paranormal and, and we were talking about it earlier is how it's sort of, changes and morphs along with you here. So, so much of his critique was how could this happen? There's no witnesses. How are they going to float someone through a wall? And then boom, later in his career, he's hit with the Linda Napolitano case where people did observe a craft 
using a beam, floating a woman through a wall, which two police officers saw. It's almost like it was placed in his lap. Um, and it's just so apropos, so strange. That is one of the wildest so, abduction cases. Yes. It's almost like there's this element of destiny to yeah. it. Yes. We are all on a path and we will get there and maybe and, something has put us on this path. And that trickster phenomena being like, hey, follow me down this road. See mm-hmm. where, where it gets you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so fascinating. Also, didn't know that his wife or now, you know, uh, ex- eventually ex-wife was like, I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I, mean? I mean, I'm pretty sure we can all understand that, you know, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm not married yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, yeah, I, I br- I'm actually really glad. I, I have a fond place in my heart for Bud Hopkins. Uh, he's involved in two of my favorite cases and also, I love that we're going to name this episode Bud Hopkins with Aaron Sagers. That's that's also what I'm excited about. <laughs> yes, I love I'm, it. I'm excited about that. I, <laughs> I I mean, just one other thing about, if I may, about Bud Hopkins is the the criticism that he that that he was by being involved in these cases by writing these books or the Betty and Barney Hill movie that it's influencing the public. Yes, to some degree that is true, but maybe it's also bringing things up for people right. or making it okay for them to talk about it or making it more okay. So, you know, that and that that's kind of the paranormal pop culture element is like talking about these things, it being represented in popular culture does influence belief, but it also influences awareness and and the your own kind of internal experience i guess and your willingness to talk about it openly so it's not an all bad thing well and you know speaking of numbers you guys might find this interesting but uh in 1991 bud hopkins partnered with a guy named david jacobs who was a history professor at temple university and john mack to design a roper poll to find out just how many of the nearly 6,000 respondents surveyed had experienced what the three believed to be symptoms indicative of alien abductions? Uh, if generalized to the population at large, the survey results indicated that several million Americans are regularly affected by alien abductions, uh, as much as an average of 340 Americans could be abducted daily. <laughs> so, Damn. Uh, I mean, the, the numbers are pretty staggering when you, <laughs> when you look at it like that. Those are high. <laughs> that's, that's, very- that's a lot. Yeah. Bud Hopkins, maybe he was high. That is wild. Uh, I mean, his name hey, is Bud. Am I right, did, everybody? Did you guys ever see the, the TV movie Intruders? Uh, yes. Right. Bree yeah. Blair, a guest on our show, played uh, Debbie, Debbie Jordan Cobble's oh, sister how as, as, a, as a little girl. Yes, this is so. This is a story, uh, basically about uh, aliens taken aboard spaceships and medically people being medically examined, and it portrays Johnny Mac and Bud Hopkins. We have to yes. watch this movie for I our lo- movie club. I love Bryce when you realize I put a lot of thought into this podcast <laughs> two years <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> I know you do, man. You're the you're the like, man, dude. I've been design, right dude. <laughs> I've been designing this from day one. Okay, I, I've been thinking about it from every angle. Um, yeah, I love it. Well done, 
let's all celebrate Bud Hopkins in his own special way. Uh, we would not have, I, I guarantee you, we wouldn't have Fox Mulder without Bud Hopkins. That's for Amen. sure. Um, mm-hmm. Aaron Sagers, we don't know where to find Bud Hopkins on the other side, but where can people find you and your work? I appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, people can reach out to me through the, the typical social media channels, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Aaron Sagers and on Facebook at Aaron Sagers page. You can check out, I have a little podcast I work on called night America. That is both true crime and paranormal. And Oof. a lot of times it's true crime stories that have a paranormal element to it. And, uh, paranormal caught on camera i'm i'm still doing that and that's airing on discovery plus and on travel channel and hell i also have like a little patreon thing that i do where it's paranormal it's tiki cocktails it's me talking about traveling and it's just patreon.com slash aaron sagers i love travel aaron, i love tiki cocktails yes. and i what's love patreon have us on that I got oh, the podcast is Night America. And oh man, I'm yeah, subscribing and, and right the, now. That sounds right title. up my alley. Great Thank title. you. It's uh, you guys are very good about keeping up with your podcast, and I sometimes get caught up with real life stuff and I'm oh, uh, a little bit slow to update, but it'll it, it always happens sooner or later. So, and you know what? A fun, fun surprise when it shows up in your favorite <laughs> podcast app. Am I right? Yes. Exactly. Awesome. Wherever you download your your preferred podcasts. Yes. And, and speaking of following podcasts, follow us at Bigfoot uh, Collectors Club on Instagram and at Bigfoot Pod on Twitter. I'm at McMills on both of those platforms, mostly active on uh, Instagram. Bryce, where can people find you and what do you have to plug? Yeah, you, you can find me on Instagram as well at Mr. Bryce Johnson and on Twitter at Bryce O. Johnson. Love to see you there. Love to have a dialogue. Fantastic. Riley? Hey. I'm on Instagram as at Peace Drone. That's, that's all you need to know for now about me. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. uh, are you playing any uh, Spin Drift? Going to start playing oh, my some God, shows? Actually, no. Oh, I have yeah, you got some I Spin Drift stuff you know going on, don't you? I'm playing on a good. Well, this this will have already happened, but I'm play, we're playing on Good Morning San Diego this weekend. Oh shit, oh, Lord! <laughs> with with uh, uh, Ron Burgundy, Ron Burgundy. Will he be there? It's going to be so hard. It's going to take every like <laughs> bit of my like self control to not make Anchorman jokes. But I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Uh, but we're doing that. And we're playing the show box down in San Diego. But that already happened. But it's our first show back. So that's that's really exciting. You'll be playing more shows. Where can people? Again. Where can people like? Is there an email list or a website they can go to to find out where Spindrift will be playing next? AlternativeTentacles.com is our label. They have all our info. You can pre-order the album that I promise will come out someday. It's out of my hands. I don't know why it's taking so long at this point. You know what? Don't worry about it. We all love you. And congratulations for playing some live shows again. That's huge. Aaron Sagers, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. Everybody go follow his work. Obviously, super into this field um, and uh, knowledgeable and enlightening on all of these subjects. Uh, Until next week, we say goodnight. And go get regressed. And you know what, Boxers 30? Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) It's all.
Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.